Hey, it's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia. That's 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 498 of the Columbia Calling podcast. That's right, we are very close to that very significant number, 500. 500, in fact, will be the episode, the first episode of 2024 in early January. So Emily and myself, we are seeking out someone of, well, I don't know, considerable note for uh, as a guest for episode 500. Could you please send in ideas or give us co- contacts and connections? We really would like to make this a significant episode uh, 500 for the number one episode of 2024. So please, we're looking to you, the listeners, to suggest, promote, and put us in contact with someone who you feel represents the importance of a 500th episode of the Columbia Calling podcast. But this is episode 498. And thanks to journalist, uh, environmental journalist, Natalia Malaver, we managed to put it together and get, well, perhaps Colombia's most famous birder, Diego Calderon. He's in Medellin. Well, Natalia was able to track him down in between birding uh, adventures around the country. And we were able to get him to sit down for a little bit with us and chat to myself and Natalia about his life in birding and no less having been kidnapped by the FARC guerrillas during one of his expeditions many years ago. Now, if you want to know more about that subject, not only should you be continue to listen to this episode, but also go onto YouTube, look up Birding with the FARC, Nat Geo, and there is a short that's made by National Geographic, around 15 minutes long, which goes in to show uh, Diego revisiting where he was held for, well, uh, multiple days, I would say more than three uh, three months, more or less, three months, 88 days he was held. Uh, But we'll hear more about that in the next segment, well, the third segment of this show. So thank you again, everyone. Thank you to our new uh, Patreon supporters out there. There have been a couple sign up this past month. Uh, we are really so very appreciative of all of your support and everyone who tunes in to listen to this as we wind down what has been, well, I would say it's been an exhausting year, but then who isn't tired at this time of the year? So thank you again to everyone. We'll go over now to Emily Hart with the news and then myself and Natalia Malaver will be back talking to Diego Calderon, and you should check out their podcast, it's on YouTube as well, called The Birders Show. So just type that into any social media, The Birders Show, and you'll find Diego there and all about birding anywhere in the world, but principally Colombia. So don't go away, and thank you for listening. The Colombia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique 
private package of your own, just complete the form on the Columbia Calling website, that's www.columbiacalling.co, or the BNB Columbia Tours website, that's www.bnbcolumbia.com, and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive Colombian adventure. So that's bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors. I'm Emily Hart and these are your headlines for the week of Monday, December the 11th, 2023. The government's beleaguered health reform has finally passed through the House of Representatives nine months after its first presentation. Despite its long and rocky road to approval, many of the reform's key elements remain intact, including plans for creation of centres for primary health attention, unifying information systems, and removing power over money from health service providers in favour of a system in which the state manages resources via a social security system. The bill must now pass through the other house in Congress, the Senate, in which pro-government majorities are harder to achieve. A new poll by Cifras y Conceptos published this week reports that fewer than a quarter of respondents agree with the health reform. However, only 17% disagree with it. The same polls showed a fall in approval for President Gustavo Petro, from 40% to 25%. 33% of respondents identified as politically right-wing, while only 15% of respondents identified as left-wing. However, Opinometro also published a poll this week which shows a 10-point rise in approval ratings for President Gustavo Petro, from 26 to 36% since November. Petro's greatest approval ratings are in the Pacific region, while he is least popular in the east of Colombia. Colombia's education system has declined markedly in the areas of maths, reading and science since the pandemic – though the attainment levels fell less than average among the countries of the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, the OECD. This is according to their newest PISA report, which measures 15-year-olds' reading, mathematics and science skills. Despite the drop in attainment being less than that of other countries, Colombia's education results in themselves remain below average. In Latin America, Chile ranks highest, followed by Uruguay and Mexico. Globally, Singapore has the best results. Concern grows over an alliance between guerrilla group the ELN, the Ejército de Liberación Nacional, and dissident FARC group, the EMC, the Estado Mayor Central. In the department of Bolívar, it is reported that the two groups have created a local alliance in order to fight the expansion of armed group, the Clan del Golfo. The groups are all in conflict over control of drug trafficking and gold mining in the area. More than 2,000 people have been displaced from their homes by the surge in violence. In other places, for example Arauca, the two guerrilla groups are fighting an open war against one another, even while both continue in peace talks with the government. A fifth round of talks between the ELN and the government is currently taking place in Mexico, focused on the liberation of those currently kidnapped by the group, of whom there are 38, according to the Ministry of Defence. The release of those hostages is a stated non-negotiable for the government in these negotiations. Panama's Migration Service reports that the number of people crossing the Darien Gap, a stretch of jungle which separates Colombia and Panama, has doubled this year. 
More than 500,000 people made the dangerous crossing between January and October of this year, against fewer than 248,000 in the whole of last year. The vast majority of those making the crossing are from Venezuela, Ecuador and Haiti. 20% of those crossing are children. Colombia has officially rejoined UNASUR, the Union of South American Nations, after almost five years of absence. Former President Ivan Duque pulled Colombia out of the union in 2018 because the organization is a creation of the South American left and was promoted by Hugo Chavez. President of Venezuela Nicolas Maduro has ordered the annexation of the disputed Esequibo region in the neighboring country of Guyana. He has also ordered state oil company PDVSA to set up a commission to intervene there. Maduro has announced the distribution of licenses to explore and exploit oil, gas and mines in the region and has given Guyanese companies three months to leave the territory, which has been administered by Guyana since 1899. This comes in the wake of a much-questioned referendum in which over 95% of Venezuelan voters supposedly voted to annex the region. Four days earlier, Venezuelan troops had moved to the border between the two countries, and since then the United States, supporting Guyana, have announced the deployment of air operations in the area. Maduro has announced that he will hold a meeting with the leadership of Guyana in the coming days. Colombia's president, Gustavo Petro, despite receiving a public request to do so from Guyana, has yet to make a public statement of support for either side. He has, however, said that he supports the talks. Last month, Petro had suggested that Colombian state oil company Ecopetrol would become a partner of PDVSA as part of joint fossil fuel exploration in Venezuela. Those were your headlines for this week. Thanks for listening. This is the Columbia Calling Podcast, episode 498, December 2023, and our very special guest. Well, we have two special guests. Uh, We have Diego Calderon, the famous pajarero or birder there in Medellin. Those of you in the birding world will no doubt know him because he is a celebrity uh, in this part of the world, and I think in all parts of the world. And... I'm excited to say that we have Natalia Malaver back on the show, collaborating with us here in Bogota too. You'll remember that Natalia was on the episode and did the research for the episode on Mennonites in Colombia. Natalia is an environmental journalist. So to both of you, Diego and Natalia, welcome on the Colombia Calling podcast. Thanks very much. Thanks very much. It's great to be here. Finally meet you guys. Yeah. What is so exciting to me is, you know, looking up and I know the Birders show. I know that the the stuff that you do, the podcast, the YouTube channel, the movies and so on, because I know Chris Bell, who is a, you know, a, a, a master birder. And of course, Greg Bleakney, who is the director of Where Nest and Where Next, the creator. Let's Let's just start. Diego, how do you get involved in all of this? Yeah, actually, you know, it's been a, a privilege in this this stage of my birding life, of my ornithology life, of my biology life, actually, to get to meet these guys, you know, like probably six years ago, uh, I, I got in touch with Greg and we started to work together on that beautiful project that you mentioned that is the birders. The birders was that campaign that Colombia was, you know, using to promote our country and and the tourism in Colombia, especially using birds, we show, you know, how beautiful is birding in Colombia, how cool 
a road trip is, and we produce a documentary, one hour documentary and four or five shorter 15 minute documentaries, uh, uh, an original soundtrack. And we, you know, spread the word, help spread the word, you know, uh, ProColombia has been doing it forever on a, on a very, you know, hard schedule, very, very sharp work. And we, we did The Birders. That is an amazing documentary. We filmed it with Greg's company, Where Next, that, you know, they are super talented. The, the, the team actually backstage, you know, behind the scene is pretty, pretty, pretty sharp, pretty, pretty exquisite, talented group of guys. And then, you know, that's how I, I, I got to meet Greg. And then later on, and the same, you know, office, the, the appearance of Chris Bell, as you call him, a master birder, uh, 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 came. And with Chris, we made all this crazy story of the birder show. Uh, and we've been having fun doing it, you know. Excellent. That's happy. And, and Natalia, before we got on the on the show, you were saying to Diego that you are a birder yourself. Well, I wouldn't call myself a birder. I think that's a... A high level uh, <laughs> of a title. I don't. I don't think I can call myself that. But I do love birding. I do love birds, and I love bird photography. And I have been following Diego's work for quite a while, and I know that they are excellent in their work. And uh, I, what I love the most about the birders show and the, all the work that they do is that they make it very fun. So mm -hmm. even if someone who's not really uh, involved in the nature uh, or bird watching uh, environment uh, mm. doesn't really know about this. They will definitely have fun watching the show because they make it so fun. It's a talk show, which mm -hmm. you never really <laughs> expect. We fake uh, it. A talk we show fake it. We birds. make it look fun, you know. <laughs> I know. Bro. I mean, I know there's a lot of work behind. I know there's a lot of work, but it's that that's what it means that you do mm. such a wonderful job that it looks really, really fun to watch. And it's not easy to accomplish that mm. in the nature spectrum of, of work. So I really give you um, like kudos for that. You know, <laughs> you do a wonderful oh. job. Oh, thanks. Well, it's, it's always nice to be flattered there, uh, Diego. Now, but it's <laughs> I, think, I think there's a lot of points here about birding because I would like to say, in the UK, where I'm from, as you can hear, has a huge, uh, like, birding uh, following of birders, twitchers, whatever you want to call them. I know there's a difference. I know there's a difference, but uh, uh, a huge, and with the RSPB and so on. But for a long time, there was a kind of a negative connotation around birding, not because of environmental things, just that the people were boring. But in recent years... Well, the last 10, 15, 20 years, that has changed. And birding is an adventure sport now, especially when you're in Colombia. I mean, you're out there in the wilds and you guys get it's slowly, up. It's slowly changing. Yeah. It's slowly changing. You know, like you, as you were mentioning, even, even the more hardcore side of birding, you know, Brits uh, that have been, you know, like the epitome of you know like wearing camouflage clothing very silent going to watch a bird waiting 10 hours in silence in the <laughs> rain you know the foggy foggy uk landscape etc burden has got to be more sexier you know like <laughs> fun and more entertaining and one thing that a lot of people including us at the birder show and that's one of our main reasons we're trying to make birding more accessible and more for everyone. And, you know, birders are not only people that have 
cameras and gear and binoculars and super specialized people that go to the field to find a rare bird. Birder is anyone that, you know, through the window enjoys listening to birds, singing. Yeah. That's that's already a birder. Yeah. And then Natalia, I mean, you are more than a birder just <laughs> for the fact that you enjoy, you know, like content, online content on birds and you go out and take photographs and you are connected to nature yeah. through birds. So birding is probably, as, as you say, Richard, changing a little bit and, and getting more into the into the hobbies list mm. of, you know, people all over the place, all over the world, like birding is now fun. I, I want to just jump in. You say, you know, birding's coming a bit uh, more sexy. Do you think of yourself as a birder sex symbol? <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. But but we do are making birding sexier. So if that makes us, you know, a little sexier to anyone in the planet, that 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 could be a little compliment. But that's 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 our job, man, making this thing more chewable, you know, more for everyone. I, I, I like this a lot. I like this a lot. Now, last month, I was back and forth between Cartagena and uh, Panama. And I was with Nat Geo. And I had to, I had the opportunity to go birding four times on the Barro Colorado in the in the canal, uh, the, the uh -huh. Smithsonian Institute. And it was, it was fantastic. I got to spot I got to spot and see some of the dance of a red cap mannequin, which I found Ooh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah, the moon, the moonwalking, the Michael Jackson dance. Yeah. And, stuff. and then I got to show it. I showed the, the guests on the, on the, on the tour. I, later, I showed them the dance on YouTube. It's the craziest thing. And that's what, again, I don't think of myself as a birder, but I am interested you know, I appreciate all these things. And then when you see something so amazing, like like this this bird, it's like, this is phenomenal. This is something that I could get into. Although I'm not the greatest at getting up at 3 a.m. to go out and sit uh -uh. amongst the mosquitoes. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, you have to make your... You know your your votes when mm. when you when your birding game starts to escalate. You know, like at the beginning, you you enjoy birds through the window. You go to your neighborhood park. You may take a little you know trip to a finca with friends on the weekend or a reserve. And you know, but probably Natalia been suffering. You know, living it. It's mm -hmm. like, oh man, should I get three a.m. next Sunday to go to the little reserve above town to photograph something cool? And it became, I mean, it kind of, it kind of, yeah, becomes a, a, a little bit of a, of a religion, you know, and you start to think, sweat, dream, leave birth all, all, all the days of your life. And it becomes a passion, you know, and, and one of the cool things about birds and about birding is that birds allow anyone to enjoy nature on their own level so birds please everyone on their own needs on their own game you know and, and that's pretty cool that's pretty cool if you want to photograph them if you want to research them if you want to make art with them music yeah. whatever birds are there for us you know yeah regarding that i i heard you in a an interview uh, where you where you said you didn't like maybe you can correct me if i'm wrong but i understood that you don't like the the term bird watching as much as birding because birding is also listening uh witnessing the whole environment and trying to connect uh in a deeper level with birds so to you what is birding uh it's in, it's not just bird watching what as we imagine so to you what is truly birding 
Yeah, I mean, the, it, it, if you're going to get, you know, like very, very religious about terminology, you, you're going to get in trouble, you know, always with anything yeah. in life. But in, in general, the word birthing is probably, you know, a little bit rounder and bigger and, and more hugging, you know, it gets to enjoy birds on a lot of different contexts. And bird watching, I mean, the, the word itself is, you know, observe, watch, see birds. But 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 you can anyways enjoy them in, in, in a lot of different contexts. So birthing birthing is just another sense, you know, like another way to connect with, with life. You have you you smell, you see, you touch, but you can also have the birth sense. And like right now, we are having this conversation here. I'm I, I'm not paying attention, but by the birds I'm hearing in the back here in a little park that is next, you know, to Pilar's, my girlfriend's home in Medellin, I know that I am at certain elevation in the Andes of Colombia and that I'm not in the Chocó or in the Amazon. So so birding gives you this superpower, you know, this mm. extra extra sense, sensory layer to your to your life. And I guess birding brings all these components together and bird watching restricts them a little bit. But you know, bird watching is birding, birding is bird watching and, and it's all about enjoying birds. <laughs> I, you mentioned you mentioned the Choco in that, and I, it's a place that I absolutely love. Um, but only this year I've been on the Caribbean side, so around Capurgana and so on. I saw a couple of things, but you were recently you found the endemic species. Well, it was believed to only be in Panama, but you uh-huh. found it at 160 kilometers south in the Bajo Baldo Mountains of the Choco. Don't get me don't get me in trouble with Panamanians here, man. Because you know, <laughs> we 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 play this game. I mean, we these countries, you know, we are so close together. And of course, birds and nature they don't recognize political borders. You know, <laughs> no bird knows where Medellin starts and and Envigado ends. You know, that doesn't happen. And you know, we tend to use our borders to tell birds are endemic of Colombia, birds are endemic or exclusive to Antioquia, and things like that. So. Probably, probably like a year and a half, I went on a little expedition to the Mecana Peak. That's, you know, a cerro above Capurgana. Mm-hmm. One that I was drooling and all my friends had been drooling to explore. Uh, but, you know, situation, political situation was not the best in the Chocó mm-hmm. for a while. And it's still, you know, a little leafy. Uh, but we got a little security window and I went up with a couple of local people, local good friends from Capu- from uh, Bahia Solano. And what happened is, you know, what what happens when you explore uh, untouched, remote Colombian mountains? You you get surprises. And this was 160 kilometers south of the border of the Pirre Mountains in the border of Panama and Colombia. And we found the Pirre Chlorospingus. Pirre Chlorospingus is a tangara. It's, mm. a, it's a small, you know, blue-gray tanager, green uh, palm tanager type of bird, that same family that eats fruit with, you know, white eyes, very olivey body. And we found this bird to be the, one of the most common things in that mountain. And that wasn't known for science. You know, mm-hmm. it was, it was you know, used to believe to be a bird endemic to Panama, only living in the Panama mountains. But, you know, we all knew that it was just uh, lack of sampling, lack of research. So mm-hmm. that uh, we also found several birds endemic to the Pirre Massif that we actually share with, with Panama, but 100 kilometers, 160 kilometers north of where I was. So that's how how entertaining and and surprising and exciting birding is in these countries you mm. you go to a little area that no one had explored and you could find new birds for science new birds for a country and and of course orchids 
mushrooms, mammals, everything, you know, it's just there waiting to be discovered. Do you, and so, what is this digital game amongst countries about? Uh, I've seen that between amongst countries, you guys uh, compete uh, mm -hmm. to find endemic species from a country or believed to be endemic species from a country in a different one. And I, I've seen that you guys have found endemic species that were supposed to be only from Panama, but also mm -hmm. Peru and Ecuador, I think, yeah. have found species it's, it's, that we believe were endemic to us. So what is this little game about? It's impossible. It's impossible not to, to, to play the game because, you know, as we share so much habitat. We share, I mean, if you think on the biogeographical Chocó, we share it with Panama and, uh, and Ecuador. If you think on the Amazonia, we share it with Peru, Brazil, Venezuela, Ecuador, and, and so on. You know, all the habitats are shared because, you know, nature doesn't recognize the political boundary. So it's, it's impossible to not go to an area and still, you know, a few of the birds that were only uh, south of the border north north of the border and it's just a it's just a friendly game but of course you know people is is always proud that we have so many species of endemic birds we have so many orchids blah 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 so it's a little bit i would say irrelevant game but that keeps us busy and happy and 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 playing this you know friendly competition of who's the country that has the most birds in the world who's the country that has most endemics blah 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 but it's just again you know like referring to superlatives you know, the highest number of orchids, the highest number of mammals, but that at the end of the day, it doesn't have any sense if we don't really have the means to keep those habitats, to conserve them, to research them, to make tourism, to, to bring tourism and, and make conservation and bring, you know, good good money to these communities, et cetera, et cetera. So it's actually kind of a, that game is kind of an excuse, I would say, mm -hmm. to, to just, you know, keep us alive and, and happy on the birding game we play, you know, on, on each of our countries. It's, Colombia's really good at that. We are the number one in this. We have the most this. <laughs> we have the most this. We are the happiest country, which I always find very interesting <laughs> indeed. And as you say, the superlatives and so on. But when you, when you get out there, uh, I mean, the quality of a birder for me is, is it must be patience. The quality. Absolutely. You, Number you, one. You know you have to sit there and, and watch. But do you, I mean, are you also a photographer? Do you take equipment out to photograph all of these special equipment? Because I'm sure that Natalia is interested in this as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, indeed. I, I, I mean, I try, I actually try not to get uh, overloaded with gear and with a lot of photographing stuff so i do mm. all like the record shot mm. the record photo that is just you know a shitty a shitty crappy picture to prove that the endemic bird that i stole from panama is there in that mountain you know so people believe me kind of thing um i do videos i i enjoy actually using my my telescope my spotting scope to do videos uh, but I'm not. I'm not a professional. I probably, I've probably actually done more professional in brackets field sound recording of birds than photography and videos, because that's something that I, I feel that I can uh, collaborate more with the scientific community on a professional way. You know, going to remote areas like the Murrucucu Mountains in the north of the Western Andes in in Cordoba. And recording birds there, I'm finding that, you know, we, we added 22 new species to the Cordoba list on just one expedition. And of course, we could photograph a few and make videos, but we made sound recordings of all of them. So 
it's probably a, a, a much easier way to to provide information. But I play with photography, I play with sounds, and it's you know it's fun these days with all the technology. It's, it's getting bananas, you know. People people recording and, and and doing photography of birds and just documenting, you know, birds. Yeah. yeah. And talking about documenting birds, uh, how do the statistics are measured? Because now Colombia is considered to be uh, the country with the highest diversity of bird species. But how do you guys measure this? How do you make sure that uh, these are correctly measured and that the numbers uh -huh. are right? Well, there are there are there is like a general context to start with, and it's like the church you go and pray list that that do the systematics of the birth of the, of the world, and you kind of pray on this church and on that church, and depending on that, you have like ten thousand species of birds in the world, uh, or you have like fifteen thousand or twenty thousand. So it's very philosophical about the what what a species is, you know, and in Colombia. It's, It's the same, you know, there are uh, 1950-something species in Colombia, but there is the, the other church, let's say, that will split everything in different species. And, you know, Colombia could end up with 2,000-something species easily, you know, from one day to another. So you have to kind of register in one of these churches and say where you are, you know, playing with, which, which of these sites you are playing with. And then there is something that is pretty cool, that is the... Birding and ornithology—I mean, not ornithology, but birding—is being based on the system of honor, and is that everyone is believed that is reporting correct things, you know, and that's why you need sometimes evidence, you know, photographs and some recordings, and there is one or two cases, of course, of people misbehaving, you know, like saying they've seen all the birds of the country and all the birds, blah blah blah, but you know, in general, everyone knows who's lying, you know, so for for all these. Official game, there is always a statistics. There is nowadays eBird, for example, there is an online database where you upload your records and you upload your evidence and you are like supporting what you're saying. And you can easily compare, you know, departments, countries, anything, dates. Um, but it's it's fun because, you know, birding and bird watching has always been based on the system of honor. And mm -hmm. when you need to do something more biologic, you know, correct and rigorous, you need evidence. And that's why you capture birds. That's why you measure birds. And 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 you have records that are totally, totally accepted with evidence. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's self, probably it's self judge, you know, mm -hmm. in this, in the world of birding. Yeah. I know you were in the winning team. Sorry, sorry that I'm, that I'm eating something here, but I'm diabetic. And my sugar levels okay. are going down, so I just need okay. a little sweet. Time for a okay. snack, anyway. <laughs> um, I know you were in the winning team in the Global Big Day, right? So how was that experience? And could you talk to us? Could you explain to us what the Global Big Day is well, about? I, I, I was, I was a Colombian playing Global Big Day, so I was part of the winning team. But the winning team, we were 5,000 people burning. You know, it wasn't my team, but the team okay. of Colombia. The whole big day is basically uh, people feel it as a competition, but it's not a competition. It's a it's a citizen science, it's a participative science experiment where you get people from all over the world one day in May going out birding, recording birds. When people send their checklist to this, you know, database I mentioned, eBird, and then you can compare, you know, like Peruvians were out and they saw 
1,600, blah, blah, blah. Birds. Colombians were out that day and they saw 1,700, blah, blah, blah. Cubans were out and they saw 400. And what it makes is, you know, a comparative that is a little funny and sometimes a little stupid because, of course, if Colombia has the highest diversity in birds of the world, we're always going to win this game. So some people is now even saying, let's, 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 let's do a more fair way to measure it. Like, how many of the Colombian birds did you record that day? What percentage of the Colombian birds did you record that day? That would be a more fair way to see it because it not talks only about the number of birds in the country. There is a number that we can change. You know, we have, we are number one, as Richard was saying, and we are number one, and that's going to happen. Probably that's going to be the situation, you know, for the rest of the days uh, of Colombia, as Colombia is configured with so many habitats and blah, blah, blah. But it's probably more fair thinking, okay, from the total 1970-something birds of Colombia, how many, which percentage of those birds the Colombians were able able to record on the global big day you know how strong they were how how deep they went into the country to find those birds so there are different ways to to see this game but it's been an amazing game you know the game is brought millions of records of birds there is easily you know nowadays I, i'm not i'm not sure because i don't play global big day anymore a few years ago but there is easily seven thousand birders of colombia going birding that day wow. so it's, a, it's quite an amazing an amazing task, you know, to get everyone like spread all over the country. And it's just an excuse to get yeah. to see where in Colombia you have to go to see well, the, the highest record, number of birds. I think even if the rules are changed, we're still going to win. <laughs> <laughs> probably not. Probably not because, you know, yeah, because you have small countries, islands. Oh, yeah. That mm -hmm. if they only have 200 species of birds, but those 200 species of we birds are it. easily mm -hmm. gettable. Mm. You can get just a few birders recording a higher percentage of their national avifauna than Colombia. Mm. That's when the game would get interesting. Otherwise, it's getting a little boring, to be honest. Yeah, I, I we are always going to win. So, Diego, I have a question for you here because obviously I, I am very involved in the politics of the country. But you know, birding gets you out into some of the more crazy areas of Colombia, as you say, you were in the in Cordoba there, which I know, you know, Cordoba is pretty interesting. And and then, you know, I'm sure you've been up to the National Park Los Catillos and things like that. Have you got yourself into trouble uh, being in these places? Well, indeed, indeed, you know, <laughs> like I, this was almost, I'm doing research in the Perihama Mountains, we got kidnapped by guerrilla. And, you know, we were uh, a couple of friends with a local guy, you know, doing research. Uh, but th those were the crazy days, you know. You had to ask guerrillas for permission. You had to ask paramilitary groups for permission to go and do to, to go and do expeditions, to, to do field work. Uh, it's something that we don't do nowadays with tourism. You know, we only do birding tourism where it's absolutely safe to go. Some of us have gotten in trouble in the past, but never actually with... That's something that... Everyone is doing very carefully in Colombia, but it's undeniable that being a, a Colombian biologist back in the 90s, in the 80s, in the 2000s, you were really, really uh, likely to get in trouble if you were just, you know, hiking these Colombian mountains and jungles to get to see birds, to understand fauna and flora. So we were, yeah, we were kidnapped by, by you know, three months, 88 days. But it was one of the most amazing places you could you could hope to to be kidnapped. You know, we weren't we weren't on a on a urban you know environment. We were in a really beautiful place. So 
we probably try to make the most out of a tough situation. Time, uh, you mean took your uh, book with notes, the notes that you were taking during your trip. Uh, you were at that time in the university, right? Mm -hmm. So you had to take your notes in a little bit more about that. How was your birding experience while kidnapped, which is a, a very ironic uh, and, I don't know, special situation, if you could call yeah, it Yeah, like that. birds are free and we weren't free <laughs> those days. Exactly. Well, actually, one of the things, and you as a, as a you know, scientist, journalist, uh, or environmental journalist, you know, that having your field notebook is key to you, you know. We as biologists are trained to keep notes on everything on our trips. And when we were working up, these guys took our field notes and, and they weren't, you know, happy with us. They said we were writing in code. And of course, we were writing in code. We were writing in Latin, you know, Latin names for everything. Uh, so they were they were not happy with us taking notes and, and doing the, the biological thing, the, the scientific thing. So eventually, I, you know, they, they, these guys gave us cigarettes, cigarette boxes. And, you know, I never, I never, I never smoked, but probably I smoked like, I don't know, four or five cigarettes there to pass the time and learn how to make circles, you know, with your smoke and things like that. Um, we took the papers of the of the internal part of the cigarette box and I collect them because they were they were uh, metallic on one side, totally useless, but they were white on the other side. So I had paper, you know, so I, I, I used to collect them and keep them secretly. And I used to take my notes to do my notes every night. Uh, in secret, in my tent, totally, you know, this, uh, hiding from these guys. And I was writing my birds. I was writing how many condors I saw and the nests of this hummingbird and describing birds and mm, trying to make, you know, to keep record of, you know, what I was trained for, you know, as a biologist, I was trained for, you know, to 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 take notes and, and document, in this case, the birds of the Perihan Mountains where we were kidnapped and we weren't allowed to do it. So I did it on this secret little piece of paper and I, you know, rolled them in, into plastic little waterproof, you know, of my backpack, you know, like in the very interior of my backpack frame. Mm -hmm. And I thought, man, if, you know, if one day I'm released of this kidnapping and probably my backpack is the only thing that is going to go out with me because they took the binoculars, of course, and the field notebook and everything. So eventually, yeah, I was released and my notes came and and we showed them. We showed them in the Birders documentary, actually, at the end. Um, and I think they have a very powerful philosophical role on telling how, you know, a biologist needs to record, document nature. And in this crazy situation, I was... I was anyways doing it, you know, even, I, I mean, I wasn't risking my life to do it, but I was not obeying the orders of not taking notes in code in Latin mm -hmm. names. So it was a beautiful part. It was a beautiful part of it. And, and, and I enjoyed it a lot. There is a short, actually, documentary. If you go to YouTube and you search for bird watching with FARC, you will see an Naji or short documentary on, on my kidnapping. And, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but the best, beautiful things that had happened after we signed a piece with gorillas. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, the trauma, obviously, of being kidnapped is one thing, but I would think you kept yourself sane, birdwatching, because I think you need to busy yourself with activities. Indeed. Indeed, indeed birds saved our life during kidnapping, my life during kidnapping, you know. We had something to do. 
we had you know another reason to keep curious and to to make the long days pass short quick so yeah. absolutely birding saved my life while i was kidnapped Oh, I mean, what an incredible story. And I actually had not researched that at all. Thank you, Natalia, for that. But uh, if we go back to the, the sort of birding, central thing of birding, do you plan like your year ahead? Do you set goals as a birder for each year? This year, I need to do this. This year, I need to go here. Not really. Not myself. A lot of people do it. But I never actually... The few times I've done trips to amazing parts of the world uh, that as a naturalist, you know, as a, as a birder, everyone is drooling to, you know, like the Galapagos or Madagascar or climbing up Mount Roraima in the Tepuis. I've never planned that as I need to do that before I die. So, you know, 2025th or 2022 is going to be the year. I do it. They, uh, I'm always I'm always like dreaming with birds, you know. Mm-hmm. So I'm always dreaming going places and, and the time I have the opportunity to do it commercially with my birding tours or with friends or, you know, just, just by chance, like, hey, do you want to join us to this expedition? Um, I'm all game, but I never plan, actually. I think probably people plan more when birds are just a, just, just a section, just a part of their lives, you know. Mm-hmm. But birds are my life, like mm-hmm. every every second, you know, when, when I'm not working i'm birding by with friends or with my girlfriend just just by pure you know fun of it just enjoying it uh so yeah that's 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 an interesting question because i never plan of course i work with birds and i sell birding tours so of course i have to plan some of these things but you know i i if i don't go i don't know to papua new guinea next year and if i go on 2030 i'm gonna be as happy you know yeah very good very good uh, I and also I, I've got to you know I've got to ask out there uh, you know the, first and foremost you don't look like a CIA spy or a, a you know you don't look like a spy the, but the FARC obviously got you for being in their region. But that's that's why I'm a good spy because I don't look like one. You know you could be a great spy of course. because you don't look like one. <laughs> exactly exactly. So but let's. <laughs> let, you know, a lot of the stuff that you put online, obviously, you're in Medellin right now, and you've got access to places in the uh, coffee zone, which is spectacular. Uh, and I think so much is on show for you there. So what would you recommend to visitors to Colombia if they want to see a variety of birds? Where where should they go? Well, it's a little, it's a little, sometimes you could be overwhelmed with, you know, the amount of places and birds and and fun than you can have in a country like Colombia. But if you're planning only one visit to Colombia, and let's say you have mountains, and our mountains, you know, are the Andes mainly. Mm-hmm. So you can you can do a little crisscross, Cali, Manizales, Pereira, Medellin. It's a great, great area to watch birds, to have the chance to see some mammals, some amazing landscape, the coffee culture of Colombia. And if you, you know, if you have an, an extra week to spare, uh, you're in trouble because you have to decide if you go to the North Caribbean lowlands and the Santa Marta Mountains, that is one of the most you know, unique endemic places of the world or if you want to visit. But there are some charming little you know, town festivals like Apia uh, or, or the festival of the Piedemonte Andino Costero in, in Nariño. You know, they do it either in Tumaco or or 
in 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 places in between Pasto and Tumaco. So uh, there is a lot, but you know, I, I love the festival del Piedemonte Andino Costero. That's you know, once per year. I think it's October, and again, you know, they do it in between and and those places. That again, the Choc- I cannot deny that is my favorite birding area in Colombia. Uh, but you could you could actually choose any weekend and then go and check for for events, birding events, and you're gonna have. One place to attend in Colombia is getting crazy. It's getting a little bananas, actually. Uh, I want th- there's something I, I really, really am interested in, and is uh, you are you have done some expeditions with uh, some of the people who kidnapped you, who are part of the park guerrillas. Uh-huh. Um, I think it's the view uh, going back birding with the beautiful message of reconciliation. Uh, but I, I want to hear from you uh, what does this experience well, mean? Well, you're, you're, you're spoiling the people that I sent to watch the <laughs> documentary, you know, the, short, the documentary. But, uh, but, it's been, yeah, but it's been fun, you know. It's been, it's been actually a way in which I can, you know, uh, contribute something to Colombia. I, you know, when, when, when all these... When all this peace process thing started back in 2016, I was feeling very itchy, very curious about like, okay, what what can I myself as a just a normal person? I'm not a political figure. I'm not, you know, I, I, I'm actually quite a bad citizen. I, I don't take part in politics, etc. Uh, but what can I do? What do I have in my hands to to contribute to this new process of a of a new, you know, better Colombia? And then I found that, you know, my experience of being kidnapped and the fact that I had the, the privilege, as you mentioned, of participating in like a research expedition with ex-combatants, uh, actually not the very same guys that kidnapped me because the expedition was in Antioquia and I was kidnapped in, in Cesar, in the Perija Mountains. Uh, but that was that was absolutely powerful because we went to the field with these guys and just made this beautiful experiment, cultural and social experiment of discovering birds and new orchids for science and new insects, new mammal, new lizard, new ponds. It was crazy, you know, the amount of diversity we found. But it was just an excuse to make this beautiful cultural experiment of showing Colombians that there is a different way to do things. That, you know, a guy that was kidnapped by this same guerrilla group could go with them and do research and learn from them and teach them some stuff that a guy like a local young campesino, local young peasant that was a victim, his family was a victim of these very same guerrilla guys, could just, you know, leave behind stuff and go and be uh, uh, and be lighter of emotional baggage and work together and build together and, and get a new Colombia running together. So it was just it, w- it was just a beautiful way to get part of Colombia uncomfortable because we could show them that this was possible. Mm-hmm. And that's all basically what I look for and what I do on a very respectful and, and as I said, loving way, getting people uncomfortable with my talk, with my presentation, birdwatching with FARC, with the documentary, and with all these expeditions and, and possibilities that I have to go to the field. If you watch the documentary that Natalie is trying to spoil, you're going to see that I eventually went to the field with the very same chaps that kidnapped me, that, like the very same ones. But I'm not talking anymore because you have to watch the documentary. So it's, it's that. It's trying to get people uncomfortable in Colombia because there is more than one way to see things. It's not only black and white. We've been killing each other. We've been hating each other for, you know, 60 years. And there's ways to see the, the, the Colombian situation on different angles. And that's that's basically what I try to do 
from again, you know, from the middle. I'm not taking part in politics. I'm not saying this is right wing, this is left wing, this is yes or no to the peace deal. This is this is just a normal person, you know. I'm just a, 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 a another guy from the from the city that you know had an experience with them, and and I was kidnapped by them, and now I can go birding with them. And I, I how do you think the birding culture has changed since the peace agreement? Well, not not only because of the peace agreement but i think in the last years more you know for everyone a little bit more democratic let's say uh but the fact that we can now access areas that were out of limits in the country is possibilities to go and see a rare bird the fact that they can use that bird and that can have that bird in feeders or or conserve the forest where the bird lives and earn some money out of it so it's becoming part of the you know having a better quality of life for these guys and and better opportunities changing for good in colombia in so many reasons but i think that the fact that we signed the peace deal and some of these guys are already local tourism guides and they are interested in earning their life and their income on a on a better way and that way includes birds and nature and tourism is just you know lovely it's touching i think i think it's it's an amazing opportunity for reconciliation in the country uh and it's always been my consideration that pro colombia should just use birds as the country uh branding just just birds you know it's such a nice easy non-controversial and and just very if it evokes positive uh, a positive nature so i i that's my feeling about that uh, but uh i think we should bring this to a close now uh diego and natalia have you got any last questions or any last comments i think everyone should go watch the, not only the documentary you were talking about with Maggio, but also the Birders documentary, which is, I think, available in YouTube, yep, right? YouTube, because... Uh, which is such a beautiful it's, documentary. It's free, it's for everyone. And, and you know, it's it's part of Bay in Colombia, you know, we, we mix music, indigenous cultures, birds. And as you, Richard, said, man, like, if pro I mean, when pro-Colombia have used birds to promote the country, it's been a huge success, but, you know, we birders and bird-loving people probably have to give the honor to all the other beautiful things that we have in Colombia to promote the country. So, you know, let's let's leave a little window there made for, you know, coffee and, and landscape and rivers and stuff. But yeah, birds 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 get us together, you know, birds connect people and, and that's undeniable. And you know, thank you very much guys for having me here. Happy to happy to to respond to any questions in the comments when you publish. Uh, the episode and on social media for everyone that you know anyone that has questions or or anything to talk about birds yeah and go watch the birders show right how can we find you in instagram yeah and youtube actually our our yeah it's all the same it's very easy the birders show in plural the birders show it show de los pajareros they're the same on every social media channel uh, even TikTok. I never thought I was gonna be TikToking, but there you are. You know, showing birds in TikTok is a is a is homework. You know, it's a task. And we are in YouTube, our main channel, The Birder Show. Go watch, subscribe if you like what you see there. Support us. We have you know a, a digital web store, and we sell some cool merchandise. We have a Patreon. We're trying just to make 
birding more accessible, more democratic, and funner and sexier. So it's not it's a not too shabby objective indeed. <laughs> well, it's I think it's been phenomenal. Let me say, well, first and foremost, thank you, Natalia uh, Malaver, environmental journalist, for setting up this uh, conversation interview with Diego Calderon Franco. Uh, and thank you so much for all the research done. And, well, it, it needs no saying. Thank you, Diego Calderon, so much for all of your, well, unselfish knowledge, sharing it with us. And, of course, the stories from the field, uh, being kidnapped but birding as reconciliation. I like the idea of, of the title of this uh, podcast being Bird Watching for Peace or something like that. I'll come up with something catchy. Uh, but uh, I think it's been it's been really How's it fun. Going? <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I think it's been really Thank fun. Thank you very much, guys. It's been a pleasure. No, it's it's been an absolute pleasure to have both of you here. Uh, this has been episode 498 of the Columbia Calling podcast. It's December 2023. This is the penultimate episode of the year. We'll be back next week with uh, Sergio Guzman talking about uh, political issues in Colombia to end the year. And then we'll be back in mid-December with episode 500 of the Columbia Calling podcast. Thank you to everyone who supports us on patreon.com forward slash Columbia Calling. And of course, you can follow and subscribe and everything else on all the necessary social media ills. So thank you, everyone. And well, that's a goodbye. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. We are also sponsored by... BNB Columbia Tours, which is a leading tour operator providing a wonderful range of exclusive small group shared tours for those over 50, along with customizable private tours to both popular and off-the-map destinations throughout this beautiful and diverse country. If you're interested in experiencing one of their unforgettable journeys through Colombia, be it a shared tour with like-minded travelers or creating a unique private package of your own just complete the form on the columbia calling website that's www.columbiacalling.co or the bnb columbia tours website that's www.bnbcolumbia.com and they'll be in touch within 24 hours to answer all of your questions and to start the planning of your exclusive colombian adventure so that's bnbcolumbia.com and latin news Dot com. Thank you for supporting our sponsors.
At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.